Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, Danny Sarek joins me. The premiere episode of HBO's Hard Knocks in season has debuted. Spoiler alert, time for some instant reaction. Plus, our reaction to the news Buda Baker is out this week and more injury concerns along the offensive line. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 613, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Hit in the backfield and down he goes for a loss. J.J. Watt nailed it. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray Magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealoux. Let me just start by saying this. I'm not a big reality TV fan. I don't watch a lot of reality TV. I don't know how much is actually real versus scripted television. I'll say this, though. Hard Knocks is not scripted. And the National Football League provides the greatest reality television out there. And that was my big takeaway from episode one. My big takeaway is that players don't like practicing in the rain out here. <laughs> they like the desert atmosphere. They don't With like the, the rain. With the exception of J.J. Watt, who called it a spring day in Wisconsin. He had a moment where it looked like he was meditating out at practice when it was raining yeah, in the They lingered episode. on that shot for a while. It made me feel a little uncomfortable. But Kyler Murray was right when he said that's the kind of weather when you're back in Texas, when you're outside practicing or playing a sport, you go inside and you get a cold. I can <laughs> I can vouch for that, yes. Hard Knocks in season, episode one. Look, NFL Films, the National Football League, they always do this very, very well. And it was done very, very well. The premiere episode, I was impressed. I liked how it opened. I liked how it closed. Everything in between, you got to see a little bit of everything, some football, some players, the head coach off the field as well. Where do you want to begin, Danny? Let's go, I guess, chronologically, how it started. Show that that amazing comeback win in Vegas, Kyler Murray, and how he was able to pull it off with some backyard football. Um, it almost gave me a little bit of hope watching that of kind of a reminder it feels like so long ago of just like we knew this team was capable of pulling off moments like that last year okay they've done it this year like maybe maybe it's still you know in the bank for them and and when they're find themselves in a situation where they're playing from behind which they've been doing a lot they can find a way to come back and get a win I almost forgot about that until this episode they did talking about the premiere episode of Hard Knocks in Season, they did a very good job of setting the scene, if you will. Kyler Murray, that long, that very long walk from the field to the locker room, slamming his helmet down in the locker room after the Minnesota loss. And at that point, all right, all eyes are in your next three games. Seattle, the Rams, the 49ers. And from the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, it started with him, down to the assistants, Pressing upon the players the importance of the next three games as we look backwards, and then the focus on Seattle and how important that game was. And I thought it was telling that Cliff Kingsbury talked about avoiding self inflicted wounds, turnovers, penalties, pre snap penalties. And that's when I got frustrated all over again because you're reliving 
the nightmare from the Sunday before in which you lose 31-21 and do everything that the head coach and the assistants are telling you not to do. That was my, and they do a great job of telling the story, and it's always kind of it. It's it's weird when you look back when you already know the end results and you're seeing it kind of almost in real time all over again. It, it's fascinating, just the, the mental images that you get and what it does to your thinking. These episodes are going to be a lot more fun after the Cardinals win than watching them go back and lose. It was interesting seeing Kingsbury have up on the presentation in the team meeting of these are the next three games and him saying to the team, look, we have not been playing well, but we're not out of this, right? Two of these two wins in these next three games and we're fighting for first place. And that was the case. It's a little more difficult now that you lost to Seattle because now Seattle has the two game lead, the tiebreaker over the Cardinals when you look at divisional wins. However, if they can, if Arizona can get these next two wins against the Rams and the 49ers, miraculously, they are technically not out of the division. Um, I did think that was interesting to see Kingsbury talk about the sense of urgency that was needed. And he talked about self-inflicting wounds many times. He just used different words to describe that same thought. He talked about it in that meeting. He talked about it when he was on the sideline of the game of it's not them, it's us. He talked about it post-game of it's them, it's nobody else. And it's there's there are parts of this team that play really well and then other parts fall off and then the next week it flip-flops. That was a common thing from Kingsbury was that Besides also learning, he also likes murder documentaries and things of that nature. Dateline. Yes. A Dateline's a little too much for me sometimes. Um, but that was a common theme from Kingsbury was saying and, and talking to the assistant coaches, we know we're better than this. This is shooting ourselves in the own foot. And that was something that he continued to talk about throughout the episode. And everything that we have the immediate reaction to post-game and then in the days after a game on Sunday – what is talked about? Why does this team continue to have pre-snap penalties? Break the huddle with 10 seconds left to go. Something Sean Jefferson in the wide receiver's room. Literally being like a fan, asking the players rhetorically, why are we doing this? What is happening? Why are we burning timeouts? That's what I get every week on Cardinal Talk. So the frustration that the fans have, that we have here, same frustration that is going on within the coaches' rooms, on the sidelines, because I think everyone realizes that they have more talent and are better when they play well and everyone does their job, that they are very capable of beating any team on the schedule. And that remains the next eight games. Very capable of beating any of those eight teams and also very capable of losing to any of those Eight games. That's what's been pretty telling. When you look at this roster, which so much of this team was here last year, but when you look at the players that are composed on this team, you're right. They have the personnel to be successful. But it's also scary to see how detrimental that same personnel can be to yourself. Um, that was something we, you know, players talked about was having to just do your job. Um, I did think it was very interesting to get an inside look at the meeting rooms and see what coaches are talking about. I thought it was very entertaining to watch the different defensive coaches. It was Bill Davis, the linebackers coach, who really stood out to me on a play when he was breaking down film with the linebackers. And he points out Buda Baker, the safety. 
And he says to his room, he challenges them and says, I want one of you to play just as hard as Buda Baker. Can you imagine if we had an entire defense of Buda Bakers? And he's right. And and Buda was a very prevalent player in this episode. But he's right. Just it was it was very entertaining to have Buda Baker mic'd up and not only in the game, but see him at practice and just that intensity. And we know he's been well respected in that locker room, but to see that that was very cool. Vance Joseph has often said, if I could have 11 Buda Bakers on my defense playing, we would be a very, very good defense because the passion that he has playing, the passion that you saw after the loss to Philadelphia and the locker room, very emotional and speaking from the heart, hates to lose, hates to lose at home and trying to inspire his teammates to do better because he, as we like to say, hates losing more than he likes winning. And that passion, he plays with a fire. There is a reckless abandon, but it's within it, it's it's within the lines and it's within that lane because he knows how far to take it and he goes a hundred percent every single play. The unfortunate part, though, is what we saw at the end of the Seattle game. I think it was the second-to-last play. Buda Baker hurt his ankle. And we now learn that he is going to miss this week's game against the Los Angeles Rams. Maybe more than that. Cliff Kingsbury was optimistic, hoping that Buda will be able to go the following week. But that is a huge loss, not only for the defense, but the entire team. Buda Baker is the face of this team. He is the emotional leader of this team, not just on defense. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big blow. Um, he means a lot to this defense, and to not have him out there, hopefully it's just this week, that's huge. That's huge when you've, you're going up against Cooper Cup. And I know we'll get into this later when we kind of wrap up our hard knocks conversation, but you know, there's other par- other players on this defense that are also on the injury report. So not having Buda Baker alone is a big blow, but with some of the other possible pieces that might be questionable or ruled out later in the week, that makes it even more difficult. Speaking of Buda Baker, they also spotlighted him off the field. You got a chance to go inside Buda's home with his sister and his mom. And by the way, his sister, Mary, might have been the unsung hero of episode one, having her mic'd up in the stands with their friend and then back home after the Seattle game saying, quote, this game was kind of disappointing with her brother, literally physically just exhausted, emotionally drained, banged up from head to toe and she just as any little sister would and it just like i'm sorry that that was not good big she's brother like, she's like, I, mean, I, like I, I want some wings and then she's like i'm hungry but it's like yeah, i'm not hungry at all he was like i'm mad we lost i'm not hungry but that's and then you get this insight on these players you know we see them most fans see them through a television screen or if you're lucky enough to be at the game you know several yards away you don't see these players when they leave here the facility. That includes you and I, Danny. We don't see what they're doing away from the facility. But that was a nice moment for Buda Baker, a nice moment to see DeAndre Hopkins and Isaiah Simmons 
Clemson alums sharing a bite to eat at a local establishment. And then the conversation, Isaiah Simmons was even asking questions. He was like a reporter asking Buddha or asking DeAndre Hopkins about, you know, what he was doing and how it felt to be away for those six games. So just little things like that that Hard Knocks is able to sprinkle in when they're telling the story of that particular week, or in the case of episode one, those first seven games or eight games to get to week nine. You know, I want to have someone in my life who will hype me up the way wide receivers coach Sean Jefferson hypes up DeAndre Hopkins. That was quite the rant at practice, reminding Hop, you are a special talent. And and Sean Jefferson saying, sometimes you just got to remind people. And, and Jefferson was even talking to Kingsbury at practice of just Hop's presence alone that first practice back. You could feel it in the air, the difference, the intensity of everyone else on the team. His presence alone, we know that in the games. But with his teammates, just having him back and Kingsbury even said, you know, they're going to look and they're going to see a big difference between Hop being here and Hop not being here. I did think it was interesting that they were able to include in the first episode the little scuffle. Scuffle might be too much of what it was on the sideline. altercation? Sure. During during the Seattle game between Hopkins and Murray um, after... Um, Hopkins was wide open and, and Kyler Murray didn't find him. And when I was watching it, it, it was kind of in two parts. They showed him in the beginning and I was like, oh, this was not a big deal when people saw it on the broadcast and they were bringing it up. Like they were just trying. He was just saying, hey, like, did did you not see me? Like I was what open. What you looking at? Yeah. It was, what, it was what, that simple. What, what you looking what, at? What are you seeing on the field? And I and I was watching. I was like, oh, that's that's fine. Because then they went to a different shot. And then the the third shot in those that sequence of three, they went back to Hop and Murray and it was a little more passionate, um, some colorful language. We got another but, but calm me, the F down from the But to me, again, that is passion. That's something you see from quarterbacks and wide receivers across the league. Um, for whatever reason, people view it from Kyler Murray a little differently. But when we see it from other quarterbacks, it's fine. Um, and then, you know, Kingsbury had the huddle with, with some of those starting offensive pieces and everyone was focused on him reminding them, hey, it's, it's not them, it's us. Um, but I did think that was interesting to show, not that it was necessarily bad, but to show the passion between Hopkins and Murray on the sideline. Going back to your thoughts on Sean Jefferson as far as telling D-Hop, don't forget who you are, because as I watched that, I immediately went back to, again, looking backwards to the Seattle game and you see five targets – to number 10 and you're like don't forget who you are well someone obviously did because they weren't targeting deandre hopkins against the seahawks that's fair and then you get that exchange because literally there was no one within what five ten yards or the screenshot of deandre hopkins running right down the middle of the field and i get it as a quarterback it's hard to see everything but that was that sideline exchange that made fox tv and now we get behind the scenes on what transpired on television. Hopkins was saying, I want to win. And Murray was saying, I'm going to get you the ball. Calm down. I'm going to get you the ball. Um, however, unfortunately, it, it, he didn't really get on the ball because Hopkins only had one target in the second half. Also learned in Hard Knocks in season episode one, Kyler Murray tweaking his hamstring early in that contest. He, on the injury report that we found out on Wednesday, He did not participate in the closed walkthrough, but we found out on episode one that he tweaked his hamstring in the second quarter on that 17-yard run 
before the fourth down run in which he fumbled, and you could hear him on the sideline, he was not running full speed on that fourth down run. And maybe if he was, hadn't tweaked his hamstring, Ryan Neal doesn't catch him from behind, doesn't poke the ball loose, and who knows what we're talking about here on this Wednesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But again, more behind-the-scenes stuff to kind of give us a better picture of what transpired on Sunday. And then when we look at the injury report on Wednesday, oh, the starting quarterback didn't participate. Now all of a sudden you're wondering, all right, are you going to be available this week against the Rams? That is a very good question. Hopefully, you know, since Murray did finish the rest of the game, that it's hopefully not so serious to where he is going to miss time. This to me is what's so fascinating about Hard Knocks. I don't only get to see the personalities off the field um, because a lot of that stuff they obviously have to like plan and coordinate but getting to see one the personalities of coaches like Sean Jefferson um, but also little behind the scenes pieces of games like this and I'm not saying that's an ex- necessarily a fair excuse of Kyler had just tweaked his hamstring if he wasn't you know he wasn't really running full speed if he were where would we be sitting what would we be talking about but it is an interesting concept of how many players and how many plays in a game do most people not know is affected by some sort of injury or something of that nature because it doesn't come up and sometimes the injury isn't so long-lasting to where they show up on the injury report the following week. It's just interesting, like had Hard Knocks not caught that, like what if this wasn't such a major, I don't, maybe it's not major, but if this injury wasn't enough for Kyler Murray to end up on the injury report this week and we would have never known yep. That was the reason that affected that run and that and that fumble. Another example, when a play is run either successfully or not, and we watching it or fans looking at it wondering, well, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you stop that? Why wasn't it practiced during the week? Perfect example, the Noah Fant 51-yard run, catch and run on the bootleg. You see Vance Joseph on the sideline yelling, We talked about the boot as you see Geno Smith throw it to Noah Fant and Fant runs down the field. I think that play was 51 yards Yes, of Fant's like 97 of the game. Fant's Joseph talked about it in the full defensive meeting. Bill Davis was talking about it with the linebackers. That was clearly something that was talked about. Again, another piece of okay, you might question the preparation or the execution, and that's a great example of clearly they were preparing for the boot and they could not contain it. Comes down to execution, and that particular play was prepared, was practiced, not executed. Exactly. And then you're wondering, all right, well, whose fault is that? Well, it's prepared, it's practiced, not executed. Maybe this is that accountability we've been wondering if this is going to turn the tide here in the facility. Not saying necessarily that, you know, coaches don't deserve any sort of blame when you lose or, you know, things are obviously never going to be perfect. But it does shine a light on maybe if you have a question about if it is preparation or execution. It's a great call, Danny, because, yeah, fans are looking for answers and everyone wants to blame someone and or something. I want to blame you a lot of the time. What did, what did, what did, I, do, what did I do now? Nothing. Now. What did I do? But give me a couple minutes and I'll think of something. Um, One last thing I have for Hard Knocks in Season Episode 1, and that is, can we get Cliff Kingsbury some furniture 
anything no in his house. I was not expected to see at some point yes his paradise valley home which went viral a couple of years ago on draft night it was going to be spotlighted i wasn't expecting it to be an episode one we saw a little bit more of the house he's got a great theater room which apparently he spends a lot of time in but other than that the kitchen was basically spotless and there was just a lot of hardwood everywhere he likes what was his quotes I'm a big, natural light guy. And you could tell that because there was just windows everywhere. But there is literally nothing in his house. There's a difference between being spotless for the cameras, which his house was, <laughs> and also being spotless because there's no furniture anywhere. It was very modern. Um, some of his artwork, too. Like, it was... I'm a little surprised that he allowed them to go into his home. It wasn't a very in-depth... There's nothing um, to show. Right. But he's a very private person. But even still, I was a little surprised to let him into his home. I did think something that's, that was pretty funny is um, looking at J.J. Watt, who is a monster of a human being. And we've seen, even before Hard Knocks, his personality, I think, about in the offseason. Well, first of all, the, the donut situation with Zach Ertz and getting the wrong you know, flavor. And when he posted a video on Rondell's birthday but said, you know, hey, my wife and I just had a sonogram and the baby's, you know, showing that it's just as big as Rondale. Like, we have seen parts of his personality. And we saw pregame on the sideline. Big Red was talking to a, a toddler, a, a little girl, um, and JJ was standing next to Buddha and said that the two of them were the same size. And Buddha's like, oh, you got jokes, you got jokes. And that, that stuff is is pretty funny to me. Those little bits and pieces throughout the episode of the personality. Zach Ertz complaining in the practice where they had in the rain. You guys brought me out here. You told me there wasn't going to be any rain. What is this? I liked those parts. We also found out that, or for fans that might not know, and Danny, you know, you're kind of new here, but if you ever needed to be flown anywhere, all you have to do is go ask owner Michael Bidwell because not only does he have a plane, but he literally flies the plane. He will go out, and he has gone out. Speaking of J.J. Watt, he went out and flew out to pick up J.J. Watt to bring back, and that was something that J.J. mentioned afterwards that really impressed him. It's one thing for a team to send a plane. It's another thing for them to send the plane with a pilot who's also the owner. That's pretty cool. Not many teams can say they have an owner who does something like that, and that's, that's a very unique skill and hobby to have. I think that's pretty cool to get to see that. Of Michael Bidwell, did you did you catch up on um, when he was driving into State Farm Stadium? He went right from the plane and he got in his car and he changed into a suit and is pulling up to the back lot where players and coaches and you know front office staff park. And so to get down to the actual parking lot, you have to stop and you have to have your car searched, just safety protocols, just like everyone else. Yes, and he got a welcome to State Farm. <laughs> and as he's pulling off, you can hear in the back. Somebody telling the employee who welcomed Michael Bidwell to State Farm Stadium, almost implying like, do you know who he is? And he was like, well, I, I just wanted to make him feel welcome. And it's like, he, he feels pretty welcome. This is this is his stadium. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. You get treated no different when you enter That is great customer stadium. service. Exactly. And I'm sure that's something that will stick with a lot of people, whether it's Michael or someone else, because you never know who's watching. You never know who's paying attention. So you might as well do what your job is described to do to every single 
person. If you have to say welcome to State Farm Stadium to every car, you absolutely should say that to Michael Bidwell. I just thought it was it was pretty funny. Hard Knock Season 1, Episode 1. Again, HBO and HBO Max each Wednesday throughout the season, however long that is, for the Arizona Cardinals. And then, of course, all the reaction right here on Cardinals Cover 2 and on azcardinals.com. Anything else, Danny, with Episode 1 before we kind of uh, not – bring everyone down but at least talk about the other news of the day on Wednesday well I'm not sure anything else particularly stood out to me that doesn't really fit with what we've already talked about it was a pretty ominous ending um, Buda Baker walking out after the game to his car with his sister and his mom and they were talking about the ankle but how even in Arizona when it rains it pours and that feels pretty fitting to lead you into the long list of the injury report that we received from Wednesday's walkthrough so when you're ready. (laughs) Buda Baker won't play this week he'll be day-to-day after this week according to Cliff Kingsbury but the injury report listed eight players Five offensive linemen, and that does include Will Hernandez, who later in the day on Wednesday was placed on injured reserve with a chest injury. So he is going to miss at least the next four weeks, including this week against the Rams. But Calvin Beecham, Cody Ford, Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, all did not participate. DJ Humphreys limited with a back issue. That's basically your entire offensive line starters and reserves and if you're the head coach if you're Sean Kugler the offensive line coach you're going to start your seventh different offensive line combination this week your fourth in four weeks you think perhaps it's going to be Billy Price at center that would be most logical that's what Kingsbury said earlier in the week you don't know right now who your right guard is going to be and you might not know who your right tackle is going to be if Kelvin Beecham is unavailable or your left tackle in DJ Humphreys who did play last week but again on the injury report with a back issue you also hope that Calvin Beecham was listed with the illness and Cody Ford was listed with an illness hopefully that's a coincidence and there's not some sort of bug or something that could be going around that offensive line room last year it took until week 16 for all five starting offensive linemen to start a game with Kyler Murray The difference to me in having so much O-line adversity last year to this year is last year the team as a whole, but really the offense, was pretty fine-tuned. They had rhythm. They were finding ways to win games. Sure, nothing was perfect, and you could find things to work on every week. But when you're missing even two, maybe even up to three offensive linemen, the rest of the offense is gelling in a way to where everybody understands, you know, we got to overcompensate in this area. We can we can work off what is already working. That's not the case this year. This offense is not fine-tuned. This offense is not gelling. They do not have rhythm. They are still struggling to really put points on the board because a lot of these points have been coming from the defense as of late. So to alone already be without your three starting interior offensive linemen, how last week's game ended... Left guard Justin Pugh done for the year with ACL. You've got Cody Forden. Center Ronnie Hudson dealing with the knee, so it's Billy Price. And then right guard Will Hernandez hurt, so it's rookie Lasita Smith who goes in. Now when you add your tackles and DJ Humphreys and Kelvin Beecham's that list, it is just wild to me. Like it is a very scary thought of what this offense is going to look like with an even less experience, not only personally, but as a group when you're talking about the cohesiveness of this offensive line 
especially because when you look at a lot of the penalties that are happening, it's a lot of false starts. And that's not to just blame your center, but the way that he is holding the ball or getting ready to snap the ball, that comes into play for the for everyone else lined up on the line of scrimmage and those high snaps that we've been seeing. So if your offensive line, your offense as a whole, has already been having problems, to now add all of these injuries, it's a very, very ominous feeling. The quarterback can't do anything unless the offensive line does its job, and that goes with the running back, the wide receivers. Everything starts at the line of scrimmage, and you point to your five starters who we have not seen on a consistent basis. And as far as who goes in now at right guard, is it once again going to be Lucita Smith or perhaps Max Garcia returns this week? It is not going to be Josh Jones. Kingsbury said they want to keep him at tackle Unless in case of emergency, yeah, then you have a Josh Jones. Now, the team did claim Wyatt Davis off waivers. He had been released by the Saints on Tuesday, former third-round pick of the Vikings in 2021, joining now his fourth team, but getting an opportunity perhaps here with the Cardinals because of the number of injuries that that offensive line is dealing with at the moment. Yeah, but again, it's... Someone who just arrived Someone, now with fun getting thrust right. into the mix. Yeah. And again, it's not like the rest of your offensive line has so much time together and understanding the nuances to where if you have to plug in one player, you can get by. That's not the case. I, it, it almost, I, I don't want to sound like such a complete Debbie Downer, but I think I'm way past that point. Like, it almost feels like when you look at this, you're just struggling to come up from air. Like, you're, you're not like, you're not, um, what am I thinking of? Like dog, what doggy do- paddle? Yeah, you're not doggy. You're struggling, you're treading water, and you're you are you're, like you're, you're trying. You're no, you're already underwater. You're trying to come up for air. That's how I feel about this. You've got that anchor tied to your leg, and it's pulling you down. You're already under, and you can't. You don't have enough strength to swim your way back up to the surface. Thank you for understanding what I meant by doing the motion with my <laughs> arms when I couldn't think. We, of the we, word. Do, we don't have the. You know, the hard knocks cameras are not in here. Thank goodness for that. Of course, they were here on Tuesday for the Red Sea Report, and I'll say this: it was a little awkward when you've got one, you're mic'd up, and you've got cameras, a couple of different cameras. Of course, they were both. They were all pointed towards. Drew Stanton and Kyle Vandenbosch, not myself, but it was just, just a little. Why you're the best looking one? Okay, I appreciate that. <laughs> but that's that's not the case, but I appreciate that. Uh, two other injury items: one, Byron Murphy dealing with a back issue. He's been on that injury report before, so pay attention to that at corner. And then, as we discussed, Kyler Murray, a hamstring injury, did not participate on min- on Wednesday. He has not missed a game this season, but that hamstring did cost him three games last year. Just so happened that in those three games, Colt McCoy came in and they went two and one. Not having Byron Murphy is almost the possibility, at least, of not having Byron Murphy is almost as scary as not having Buda Baker. Murphy has done an incredible job at shutting down top receivers all year. He's a big part as to why, when the Cardinals faced the Rams in week three, that wide receiver Cooper Cup was held to a season low four catches, 44 yards. So if you don't boot a Baker and you're already having to adjust there, whether that's how you use hybrid linebacker slash safety Isaiah Simmons, you're getting Charles Washington back. He's, well, likely. He's been designated to return off IR dealing with a chest injury. But if you also don't have Byron Murphy, I mean, that leads you in Antonio Hamilton and Marco Wilson, but that would be hard against, yes, a, a struggling Rams offense, but 
to still have Cooper Cup. You've got Trayvon Mullen, who I'm sure is itching to get more defensive snaps. He's played some special teams, but that would be your next man up as far as if you go, if you lose a Byron Murphy, and you would hate that to be the case this week, especially because Cooper Cup right now is basically the only thing that's working well for that Rams offense. Yeah, I mean, I, Matthew Stafford's been sacked 28 times, which is third most in the league. That offensive line is pretty banged up. They're only averaging 16 points per game. There is definitely room for this Cardinals defense to exploit LA's offense. The reigning Super Bowl champs who at 3-5 and five do not look nearly as good as they did last year. So there's opportunity for Arizona. It's just a matter of having to capitalize on that. And by the way, we learned on Wednesday that Matthew Stafford's in concussion protocol. Now, there's time between now and Sunday, and I'll caution everyone to be too, too excited about a quarterback not being in uniform or being available for the Cardinals or for the Rams, I should say, because the backup is John Wolford and his only career start. This predates you, Danny, but he has one career start. Happened back in week 17, 2020. Cardinals at the Rams. And the Rams won that game 18-7, clinching a playoff spot. Kyler Murray now was in and out of the lineup or in and out of the game because of an injury for that game. But, uh, yeah, John Walford, in his one career start, beat the Cardinals in 2020. That sounds pretty much like the Rams against the Cardinals as a whole the last couple oh, of years. Yeah. So. 11-1 and one under Sean McVay, including the playoff loss. Oh, let's not bring that up. Okay. I'm All having right. such a good time. Let's not bring that up. All right, let's before we get out of here, how about the sideline exchange promotion? Who you were able to slow down and stop. A week ago was JJ Watt. You had the big exclusive interview because JJ Watt did not meet with the reporters last week because no one could stop him. You did. So this week, who was it? Linebacker Zaven Collins coming off that pick six against Seattle. Um talking about the success he's had, how he's been able to create such that leap into into year two now, um, talking about the mentality of this team, not only being three and six, but oh and three against the division and the importance of these back-to-back divisional games going against the Rams and then the 49ers in Mexico City. Um, and just kind of looking ahead to this Rams matchup. I asked him a little bit about hard knocks too. Surprisingly, I thought he'd be like more of a quiet guy. He says he's pretty loud in the meeting room, but well, maybe he'll be a feature or spotlighted on a future episode. Po- I yeah, possibly. He said he wasn't planning on watching. So <laughs> I don't know how many players are going to watch. Kingsbury said he at least wasn't after be they lose. Either. After they lose, I, I'm not sure how high the numbers will be in that locker room. That's true. By the way, we are keeping track, Bird Gang. And by my count, neither myself nor Danny showed up in episode the, one. The back of myself <laughs> did on the sideline. That was pointed out to me, but no. Okay, doesn't count. That, that does not count because we need facial recognition for or this a voice yes okay voice so is or this facial a, I, recognition i need to understand the rules is this a competition like should i be trying to make <laughs> an episode or this is just normal days it's competition let's see do we want to make this a competition or just you know fun thing to track well do you feel like losing that's my rebuttal <laughs> no I, I don't feel like losing but I just know that if the camera had a choice which way to point, it's certainly not going to point in my direction. Okay, we, I, can, do, we I, can do it just for fun. Am I, am, I, am I wrong in this assessment? Don't make me say yes. We'll, we'll do it just for fun. All right. And maybe fans out there can keep track as well and then let Danny know when she's got the better of myself, which is often, as we've learned here on Cardinals Cover 2. It's okay. It's okay? You All have right. how many more episodes? 
Let's hope several, because again, this will continue into the postseason. Every Wednesday. Every Wednesday, as long as the Cardinals get to the postseason, which right now it seems far off, but who knows. Every Wednesday, HBO and HBO Max, and then immediate reaction here on Cardinals Cover 2, as well as azcardinals.com. Make sure you're smiling for the cameras, Danny. Okay, you got it. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Amahundro. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.